Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Today's a day for us to celebrate how much God loves you, how much he loves me, that he was willing to send his son to come, the spotless lamb of God to be crucified in our place. Amen. And he's no longer dead, but he's the risen Lord Jesus. He's alive. He's the soon coming king. Amen. I'm excited that you're here this morning, but I'm even more excited that Jesus is here. He inhabits the praises of his people. We're not singing about someone who used to be. We're singing about Jesus. The one who is on the throne, the one who is coming back back soon, Jesus our Savior. Amen. So I'm excited that you're here this morning. I want to jump right in and read a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This verse is amazing because it kind of sums up, it kind of encapsulates the entire Easter message in just a couple of sentences. When we talk about Easter, when we talk about Jesus coming, taking on flesh, dying on the cross, three days in the tomb, then he rose again. What in the world was going on? What was God doing, sending his son? What was he trying to accomplish? It sums it up. It says God was in Christ. He was doing something. What was he doing? He was reconciling the world to himself. He was making a way for people like you and me to be able to come to God. He opened up a way. It says he's no longer counting men's sins against them. God's not doing that. He's not interested in holding people's sins against them. He's not looking to hold people at arm's length. He's not trying to avoid them. He's not trying to remain mysterious. In fact, that's the wonderful message that we're talking about this morning. It says, and he's given us this wonderful message. What is it? God doesn't want you far away. God wants you close. He wants to bring you near. That's what Easter is all about. Let me read the next verse, verse 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come to God. So God is putting out a call. There is a message. Come to God. That, that's what God wants people to hear. A call going out. Come on, come closer. I want you. I want you. People feel like God's trying to hold them away, avoid them, tell them how wrong they are, point out flaws. Easter is about how God has no interest in doing that. He put your sins on Jesus. So the only thing he wants you to hear is come on, come on, come close. I want you. I, I want you to, I want you to be close. Easter is a, a message going out. God in Christ was putting out a call. It's about a call going out. God in Christ was putting out a call. You know, sending and receiving calls is something we're, we're pretty familiar with, right? It seems like everyone is always uh, attached to their phone or their phone is attached to them. We always have them with us. Even little kids have, have their own phones, it seems like. And it, sometimes it's hard to even make it through a Sunday morning without multiple people you know, receiving a call in, in the middle of, of service. And so sometimes cell phones and having them with us all the time can be annoying. And there's plenty of things to dislike about them. One thing I do like about phones is that you can see who is calling you. Right? Either it's an unknown number and you can say, you know what, I don't know who this person is, so I'm not going to answer it. Or you can see who it is and say, I'm not going, I'm not going to answer it or choose, choose to answer it. I'm old enough to remember way, way back in the old-fashioned times 
when, if you wanted to know who was calling you, the only way to accomplish that was to actually answer the phone and say hello, and, you, and by then you're stuck, it's too, too late. There, there was no such thing. I, I know I'm talking way, way, way back. We had to ride around on goats and stuff. But there was, there's a time where there was no such thing as, as caller ID. I remember being at a friend's house. The first time I ever saw a caller ID, the phone was ringing, and someone said, hey, will you check and see who that is before we answer? And I, I thought, that's, that's impossible. That doesn't even make any sense. That, Answering is how you check and see who it is. But sure enough, they had this little box mounted on the wall by the phone. It was a caller ID box. And it, it blew my mind. This was like space age technology that I, you know, I hadn't even dreamt of such a thing being, being possible. You could see who was calling you. So I, I like that. Although it does remove some of the possibilities that you used to have when no one could see who was, who was calling, right? If you wanted to make prank phone calls, caller ID kind of hurts that ability. Remember when I was in college, one of the things we would do for fun is we would take phones and on our campus where I went to school, it was almost like a hotel. You could just dial a a dorm room number and just kind of call directly. So we would take a couple of our phones, my friend and I, and we would each just randomly dial a a dorm room on campus. And we'd take those phones and turn them and face them to one another. And so both of them would be ringing and then we, we would just listen in as both people would answer and then get into an argument about who called who. They would both say, hello, hello, can I help you? Uh, I don't know, you called me. No, you called, my phone just rang, and we just listened listen to them argue. This probably wasn't the best use of time. I probably should have been in class or, or, or doing something, something else, but it's hard to do that with, with caller ID. So again, it, it's nice to be able to see who's calling you. You can choose not to talk to someone. That's a convenience Unless you're the person that is, is being ignored. I mean, the phones even have that little button, right? Green if you want to answer, red if you want to ignore or decline. Very handy, but it's frustrating when you're being the one that is being ignored or, or declined. When I was a youth pastor, one morning I was at one of the local high schools and there was like a Bible club that met before school started. And so I was there and we were doing a Bible study and we, we had our Bible study and it was getting time for school to start. So the kids were, were leaving and going to class But I was still in the classroom and I looked out the window at the parking lot and coming across the parking lot on his way to school was one of the kids from my youth group. And it was one of the kids that I thought was like a core member. He'd been on a a missions trip with me. We spent like a week and a half together in El Salvador. I thought he he and I were really close. I thought he doesn't know I'm here. What a nice surprise it's going to be that I call him on his phone. Hey, surprise, I'm here. I, I, can, I can walk you to class. So I, I pulled out my cell phone and I, I called him. And sure enough, he, he stopped, reached in his pocket and pulled out his phone. And he looked at it and saw it was me. And he, he paused for a second. It's like I could see him deliberating. And he just put his phone back in his pocket and, and walked into school. I was like crushed. You know, it's, it's hurtful when you know someone is declining your call or refusing to talk to you. But when you actually get to watch the whole process, see somebody like make up their mind, I do not want to talk to this person. It's like there's an extra sting, extra sting to it. But to have a successful call made, really, it it requires two parties, two people who both want to be engaged with the other person, right? I want to take a look at a story in the Bible. If you have your Bibles with you, Mark chapter 5, where we can see something like this taking place. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we'll start reading in verse 46. 
says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So this is a story about Jesus and his disciples. They're actually on their way to Jerusalem, where Jesus was going to be crucified. Three days later, he was going to rise again. So they're actually on their way to the first, the first Easter. But before they get to Jerusalem, they have to go through Jericho. And this story takes place as they're on their way out of town. They're leaving Jericho and they pass by this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And as they pass by him, he begins to shout out to Jesus. He begins to place a call. He begins to call to Jesus. And the reason he's placing this call is because he recognizes a need in his life. And he also recognizes that Jesus has the ability to do something about it. There's something in his life that he's not content with the way it is. He understands that things in his life, things in his situation are not the way that they're supposed to be. And sometimes that kind of recognition of a need can drive us to place a call. All of us have have needs or have had needs like this where we realize things are not the way that they're supposed to be. This is not the way my situation is supposed to be. This is not the way. I know this isn't the way a marriage is supposed to function. I know that people aren't supposed to feel about themselves the way that I feel about myself. I I know that these emotions, I know that these, these kinds of thoughts that I'm thinking, things are not the way that they're supposed to be. If that's where you are this morning, I want to encourage you to allow that to be what drives you to place a call this morning. So he begins to call out, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. He's placing that that call, but it says that as he's doing this, the people around him start to tell him to shut his mouth. They start telling him to be quiet. You're you're wasting your time. Don't bother Jesus. You're embarrassing yourself. You're a smelly, annoying beggar. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with people like you. Jesus doesn't get involved in situations like, like yours. You probably did something to deserve this anyway. Just stop yelling. You're making a scene. Jesus is passing by. Just, just let, let him go. But it says that when they told him this, he didn't listen. In fact, he did the opposite of what they told him. He started to shout all the louder because he knew, he knew that Jesus was nearby. And it was his awareness of the presence of Jesus that was causing him to place, to place that call. He wasn't calling out like that an hour before the story. He wasn't calling out two days before the story. It says when he knew that Jesus was nearby, he began to cry out. I'm telling you, Jesus is close by. His presence is here this morning. He inhabits the praises of his people where two or more are gathered in his name. It says there he is in their midst. Let me read from 
Acts chapter 17, verse 27, talking about what, what God was doing. It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. God, Jesus is close. His presence is here. Maybe you can sense his presence. Let that be something that when voices start to tell you, don't cry out. It's a waste of time. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with people like you. The situation you're struggling from, you probably did something stupid to bring about and you're just getting what you deserve. All those kinds of voices, maybe not like Bartimaeus where there's a crowd of people shouting them at you, but maybe there's voices in your head, in your heart telling you it's not, it's not worth it. It's a waste of time. Don't even bother. Let the awareness of your need And the awareness of the presence of Jesus cause you to refuse calling out until he answers that call. It says that when he heard the call, verse 49, verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He is calling you. When Jesus hears someone call, he doesn't ignore a call. Bible says all who call upon his name are saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says he has yet to deny someone with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He's not looking to hold people away from himself. He has yet to deny someone who's brokenhearted, contrite, repentant, placing a call. He has yet to deny one single person that comes to him. That's the wonderful message we started off talking about, right? He's not looking to hold people's sins against them. The message is he's the one calling, reconciling, making a way for you and I to come to him. He's calling. He's calling us. That's what happened in this story. Jesus stopped and it's like the whole situation, situation switched and they were telling Bartimaeus, actually Jesus is the one calling you. He, he's, he's calling you to himself. So they said, cheer up. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. This is, he's still a blind man at this point. But they're telling him, go, go ahead and get your emotions lined up. Go ahead and put a smile on your face. Go ahead and cheer up because the one who is able to solve your problem and put things back the way that they're supposed to be, he's calling you and he's not calling you in vain. He's getting ready to do something about your situation. So when you know that Jesus is calling for you, you can go ahead and cheer up. Whatever is, is pressing on you, whatever's causing strife, whatever's causing tension, whatever's causing frustration in your life, whatever's going on at home, maybe something going on in your body, you can go ahead and cheer up. You you can cheer up. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling. Jesus has made a way for you to come to the one who can do whatever you need done to make things the way that they're supposed to be. You you can go ahead and cheer up, cheer up. Jesus, Jesus is calling you. Why did they have to tell him Jesus is calling you? Cheer up. Jesus is calling. He's calling you. Why did they have to tell him? Couldn't he have just heard and jumped up on his own and, and run to Jesus? Well, remember, he's, he's a blind man. And it says that he's sitting on the edge of the road. And it wasn't just Jesus walking by. It wasn't just his disciples. There was a whole crowd of people walking by. And you know what it's like when there's a crowd of people going by. There's all kinds of noise, all kinds of commotion, all kinds of voices. And somewhere in that crowd... Jesus was beckoning him to come. 
But he wasn't, he wasn't sure. Someone had to clarify that call. Somewhere in, in all the noise, that voice might have gotten lost. And that's what happens in our lives sometimes. That even though Jesus is calling you, even though we get to celebrate Easter and God has made a way to reconcile you and your family to himself, sometimes in the, in the commotion of life, sometimes in just the noise of everything going on, that, that call can kind of get lost in the shuffle. And we need times like this morning where it gets clarified and someone can tell us definitely. No, Jesus is calling you. God is is drawing you to himself. You know, the the way that God made you, the way that he made me, is he made us each with with different desires. He made us with certain appetites. And one of the ways we can know something exists, even if we've never seen it, even if we've never heard about it, we can know that it's out there somewhere somewhere just by the fact that we have an appetite for it. And when we have a hunger or an appetite, it lets us know there is a corresponding satisfaction to the thing that we desire. You with me? Let me, let me give you an example. A baby is born and the baby begins to cry because it's hungry. Now, that baby's never been taught a class about the importance of a well-balanced diet. It's never been taught about nutrition It doesn't know about all of the health benefits of breastfeeding or drinking formula or Gerber baby food products. It it doesn't know any of those things, right? But it begins to cry out for something. How does it know that 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 exists? Because there is a hunger and somehow that baby knows because I have this hunger, this desire, there must be something out there, a corresponding satisfaction to the hunger that I feel. Are you with me? The same thing with, with thirst. You are thirsty. Wouldn't it be cruel for God to create desires in us that there was no satisfaction to that desire? So you're, you're thirsty. Man, you, you feel this desire for something, but there's nothing out there to quench that thirst. No, you, you have a thirst. You know there's such a thing as water to satisfy the feeling that you have. The same way with sleep. You get tired. You're exhausted. You want rest. Well... Fortunately, there is something as sleep, right? You, you can get rest. You, ha- you have a sex drive. There is something, there is such a thing as sex, right? We can go on, on and on, but it's not just physical desires. It also works in the deeper parts of our, our life that you are created with an appetite for peace. You desire, not not superficial peace the way that man gives, you were made with a craving, a longing, a a hunger to know deep peace in your heart. You were made with a hunger for joy. You were made with an appetite to be loved, genuine, real, real love. And again, God doesn't create, create appetites without also a corresponding satisfaction to that desire that he puts in our heart. So you were made with a hunger for peace. Well, there is such a thing as peace. In fact, he's the prince of peace. That, that desire that you have is actually him calling you to himself. You were made with a desire to be loved, really loved, completely and thoroughly loved. Well, there is someone who is loved, Jesus. And he is the one when you feel that desire and you think it's just you looking for something. Actually, that's a call that God has put out. He wants to draw you to himself. But what can happen is in the commotion of life, everything that's going on, you feel these desires, but you're not sure where they're going, where they're coming from. So you can try to satisfy Satisfy that desire for peace, for love, for joy, whatever it is, and, and run to sources that don't have the ability to really satisfy what's calling you, and you end up frustrated, disappointed, disillusioned. It, it reminds me of a story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
You don't have to turn there. I want to read a couple of verses to you from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament, a mighty man of God. When he was a boy, he was raised by a man named Eli. I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel heard a call. He knew someone, something was calling him, but he wasn't sure. He was confused about who was placing that call. And it sent him running to sources that weren't really the source. So he ends up being frustrated. He ends up being disappointed, uh, probably a little bit confused. I, I could have sworn I heard you calling me. I knew something, something was calling me until someone could speak into his life and let him know where that call was really coming from. That, that's what happens in people's lives all the time. They feel a call for fulfillment. They feel a, a call to be satisfied, but they don't know where that call is really coming from. So they can run to all kinds of different sources and present themselves the way that Samuel presented himself. He, here, here I am. Was it you that was calling me? They run to relationships. They run to sex, they run to drugs, alcohol, trying to find pleasure, only to find out that those things that they went to don't have the ability to satisfy because they aren't the ones that placed the call in the first place. And it leaves people hurt and confused that the call was good. The call was genuine. It just wasn't coming from those sources. They, they feel a call to have deep, real joy, and they don't understand where it's coming from. So they find themselves pursuing material things, joy, success, whatever they think can answer that call. But that's not what was calling him. And again, it leaves them disappointed. They, they feel a call to live a life of significance, to do something that really matters. The call is good. The call is real. But they can, they can run to trying to climb a corporate ladder, trying to achieve things in the natural to satisfy that, but it wasn't calling him. This morning, I want to serve as like an Eli to, to let you know where that call is coming from. And people can quit wasting their time running around, presenting themselves, wasting their lives, trying to find something that satisfies when they miss it over and over and over. What you need is to come and just like, just like Samuel did, when you hear that call, instead of trying to, to run off to try to satisfy it, Lord, I know it's you that's calling me. And I belong to you. I'm your servant. 
and begin to engage with the one who's placing that call in the first place. It's not enough, it's not enough to know that you're being called. It's not even enough to know who is calling you. You also need to know how to appropriately respond. That's why Eli told Samuel, here's what you do. Next time you hear that call, you you present yourself to God and say, God, I'm your servant. Back to Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. It wasn't enough for him to hear the message, cheer up, he's calling you. The next part was whether or not he was going to respond or how he was going to respond. Let's jump back to Mark chapter 10, verse 50. It says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. So Bartimaeus hears the message, cheer up, he's calling you. And he responds by throwing his coat aside. He jumps up and he goes to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What do you want me to do? Now, why would Jesus ask that question? He's a blind beggar. Jesus, what do you think he wants you to do? But Jesus asked that question because he knew some people don't really want to change. Some people, even though they complain about their situation, they'll talk about how bad they have it. When it comes right down to it, they don't want to take the steps necessary to see their situation, to see their life really change. Some people have hurt so long. Some people have been in so much pain. They've just kind of grown accustomed to that. That's the way that life is. They've just sort of accepted. This is sort of what my life is going to look like. Some, Some people can't imagine what life would be like if it actually did change. And as much as they talk about how bad things are, they don't know. It's like a frightening idea to think about if my situation were to change. Some people have been in pain or been in a bad situation, even though they know this isn't the way things are supposed to be. It's sort of become their identity. They've just identified with it, that they're, they're the bitter one. They're the angry one. They're the one that everyone kind of pities and oh, things, things never work out for me. And that's just, that's just who they have become. And when it comes down to it, they don't really, really want to change. Some people, when they're presented with hope, They're presented with truth at a moment like right now. You can present it to them, but they don't want to take that step of faith. They don't have the boldness to reach out and lay hold of what's being offered to them. Some people don't genuinely want to change. So Jesus asked Bartimaeus, okay, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? And here's what Bartimaeus said. He said, my rabbi, I want to see. My rabbi, I want to see. You know, it it took a level of boldness and a level of faith to be able to answer that way, right? It sounds obvious, but really in one sense, it takes a tremendous amount of boldness just to to put it all out on the line because he, he could have, he could have backed it off in something that wouldn't have made him so vulnerable, wouldn't have required so much faith. He didn't have to risk being told no by, by, by asking so high. He could have said, you know what? It'd be nice if, if my, my daily collections would go up by 50%. He could have made that request. He could have said, you know what, if you could just make people be nicer to me. You heard everyone telling me to shut up a minute ago. That's not nice. If people could just be kinder. He could have said, I'd like a a cushier mat to sit on. You see this one, it's, you know, it's pretty well worn out. 
But Bartimaeus just put it all on the line. My rabbi, you're going to ask me what I want? Okay, I, I want to be able, I want things to be in my life the way that they're supposed to be. I want full restoration. I want to be the way that you made me. I want to be what you created me to be. I, I want it all. I want everything that you have for me. It takes boldness to make a request like that. I want to encourage you this morning to be like Bartimaeus. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want him to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? You, you, can, you can back off that request. Make it something that's not as, as vulnerable, requires as much faith. But Bartimaeus didn't do that and he got what he was looking for from Jesus. Be like Bartimaeus. Lord, you know, life was going along pretty well. Things were going okay, but then somewhere, somewhere I got off track. Somewhere along the lines, things got messed up. And I know in my situation, things are not the way they're supposed to be. When you look at my marriage, when you look at my finances, when you look at my health, when you look at my emotional state, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. So Jesus, if you're calling me and you're asking me, what do I want you to do? I, I, want, I want everything to be the way that you designed it to be. To ask bold, to trust that if Jesus is calling you, and he is, that he has the ability to satisfy the desires that he put in you in the first place. In fact, the fact that you have those desires should let you know there is a satisfaction. And again, the message I want to convey this morning is that desire is actually Jesus beckoning you to himself because he has everything that you're looking for. What do you want Jesus to do for you? He's able. Jesus is able. And he's not able just because he's a friendly Bible character. He's not able because he's just a religious figure. He's not able because he's a a really nice guy. He is able because he was and he is the son of God. And he took on flesh and he came as the spotless, sinless lamb of God. And he allowed them to nail him to a cross and to beat him to death. He, He allowed that to happen. And when he died, when he died, something incredible happened. Let me read it to you from Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. It says that the reason he died, the reason he took on flesh and allowed them to kill him was that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That when Jesus' heart stopped beating, something amazing happened. He destroyed the devil. The the devil, Jesus said, he's the one who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He's the one that tries to rob people of hope, rob them of joy, tries to destroy people's marriage, tries to kill the potential and the dreams that God put on the inside of you. Maybe you can see evidence of him working in your life, in your family, someone that you care about. You can see his work. When Jesus died, it says that he destroyed the one who came to do all of those things. The devil was destroyed by the one who comes to give life and to give it abundantly. Jesus said, I've come that you could have life and have it to all its fullness. Then God raised them, raised them from the dead. He wasn't just a sacrifice. He's also the living, the living Lord Jesus, the soon coming King. You know why we call him the soon coming King? Because he's the king and he's coming soon. That's not just a title. It's a description of the reality. Jesus is king and he's, he's coming soon. And right now is a time where he's calling. Jesus is calling. He's calling out to people. That one's on us. Jesus is calling. He's calling people. 
I want to serve as like an Eli this morning to let you know that that longing that you have, that craving, that appetite, that desire, or that disappointment as you've run from thing to thing in your life, that thought in your mind that maybe just a little more success, maybe I'm just missing one of these things I've been pursuing. No, no, no. What, What you need is Jesus. You need to hear the call and recognize that it's him calling you, calling you to himself. I want to serve as like caller ID to let you, don't waste your time pursuing all this nonsense. You just need to come to Jesus. You need to respond, respond to him. The Bible says that deep, deep calls to deep. The deep place in the heart of God is calling to the deep place in our hearts. God wants to be close to you. And whether you realize it or not, you want to be close to him. Deep calls to deep. The thing about a call is it doesn't go on forever. You ever had your arms full? You just couldn't answer the phone right away. And you you hesitate. And by the time you get to the phone and you say, hello, and you've, you've missed the call. This is not a call. This is not a call to ignore or hesitate or put off. The Bible says today is the day. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time to get right with God. Because again, Jesus is the soon coming king. We we make the mistake of always assuming that life is just going to continue the way it's always been. Jesus is going to return. And there's a time coming where it will be too late. That call, that opportunity will end. But as of right now, that call is going out. The Bible says, we read it earlier, that he makes his appeal through us. Christ makes his appeal saying, come to God, come to God. That when someone stands and beckons the people to be made right with God, it's really not even them making the appeal. It's Christ appealing through them. Jesus is using them to try to reach people, putting out a call through people that would yield themselves and allow them to beckon people. Jesus is calling people. Christ is calling people to himself. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you realize this morning that Jesus is calling to you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. As we said earlier, it takes two people. It takes two people to engage in a successful call. Deep's calling out to deep. Something in your heart calling to him. Cheer up. He's calling to you too. there's never been a point in time where you've accepted Jesus as your savior. Never been a moment where you decided I'm going to quit pursuing my own way of doing things. I'm going to quit chasing after pleasure or whatever it happened to be. Bible calls it repentance. I'm going to, I'm going to turn and I'm going to follow Jesus. If there's never been a moment of decision in your life like that, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Or if at one point in time, you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're, you're not serving him now. You got off track somewhere along the lines. You got tangled up in something. You know you're not right with Jesus and you need to recommit your heart to serving Jesus. This is your opportunity right now. And the easiest way to know if you need to make one of these two decisions is just to ask yourself down on the inside, if my life ended, if it suddenly came to an end, do I know that I know that I'd spend eternity in heaven? Not because I'm super religious, I jump through all the right hoops, but because I have a real relationship with God. The only way someone can have a relationship with God, through Jesus. If you don't have that knowing down on the inside, that's just an indication that you are exactly who this moment is for right now. God's calling you. 
He's created this whole moment so Jesus could make an appeal through this service to you. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Be made right with him. Come to him. Come on. He wants you. He wants you close to him. Because when we accept Jesus, the Bible says he gives us the spirit of adoption, his Holy Spirit that lets us know that we're right with him. So if you fall into either one of those categories, I'm going to give you an opportunity to know that you're right with God, to know what it is to have real joy, real peace, what you're hungry for, to know that you're completely loved. If you fall into either category, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. You need to recommit your life to serving Jesus with nobody looking around. Would you put your hand up nice and high so I can pray with you this morning? You need to accept Jesus as your Savior, praise the Lord. Or you need to recommit your life to serving him, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Put your hand up. Praise God. Anyone else? You need to accept Jesus as your Savior or recommit your life to following him. Don't leave here today wondering if you're okay with him. Know that this moment has been set up by God so you you could hear that call clearly. No, what what you've been looking for, it's been him all along. It's been him calling you to himself. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to have everyone repeat this prayer out loud. If you raised your hand or if you should have raised your hand, I want you to, to pray this out loud with me and believe it in your heart. And it's your faith and you confessing it with your mouth that causes the power of God to begin to work in your life. By the time we finish this prayer, you're gonna be brand new, completely clean, on your way to heaven, forgiven and right standing with God. So with our eyes closed, I'm gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer along with me. Repeat this. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize today I'm not where I should be with you. I know I've sinned. I know I've made mistakes. I know I need a savior. And I believe with all of my heart, Jesus is that savior. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he paid for my sins. I believe God raised him from the dead. And I accept Jesus to be my Lord and savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Make me clean. Make me new. Make me who you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. With your, eye, with your eyes still closed, your head's bowed, I want to pray for a second group of people. Maybe you already have a relationship with the Lord, but you know things in your life are not the way they're supposed to be. Like Bartimaeus, you know, this is not the way. This is not the way things are supposed to be. Things are not right. Again, in my my family, my health, maybe like him, you need a touch in your body. You fall into that category. Again, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up so I can pray with you. You need a touch in your body. You need a touch in your marriage. You need a financial breakthrough. You know, there's emotions that you're struggling with, depression, anger, lust. You need something to change in your life. You know it's not the way that God designed it to be. I want to pray with you before we conclude. Praise the Lord. Just keep your hand up for just a moment.
Father, I thank you. You see every hand, you know, every situation. And Lord, I lift each person before you in Jesus mighty name. I speak freedom and deliverance and health and life. I destroy every stronghold of the devil with the name of Jesus. Everywhere where people are held bound, everywhere where people lack the freedom you want them to have, where people lack the joy, where people lack the blessing that you've provided for them. I destroy every work of the devil and declare people free and healthy. Lord, I speak blessing on each person with their hands raised. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Father, I ask that you bless them right now and let them know your resurrection power that we get to celebrate. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.